I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. Are you Tony Stank? Don't get technical with me. She needs to sort out her priorities. That's no moon. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Welcome to the A Plus Z Movie Review Podcast. I'm the A, that stands for Alex. And I'm the Z, that stands for Zach. Where are we going today? We're going... Wait! You cannot begin until I start. (laughs) We saw Tar. (laughs) Did that happen? Yeah, she says that in the the movie. Oh my god. Because she's a conductor. Yes, yeah, see. yeah. Um, um, yes, this is uh, on, this is available on Peacock. Yep. Another, another notch on the bedpost for our best pictures. We're working our way up. We're almost done. That was a poor way of phrasing that. Another check off the list <laughs> for our <laughs> best pictures. What was wrong with me? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's been a long day. Um, so Tar uh, is stars Kate Blanchett. She is kind of the driving force, the thing that has grabbed all the headlines uh, in terms of pushing this movie forward. Uh, if you want to see our quick thumbs up, thumbs down review on Tar, you can find that on our Instagram. At a.z underscore movie review and our Twitter at a underscore z underscore movie review. Yes, that's our social media where you can find Everything in all things us. Not all things. Well, most things about us and, and movies. Not not all things. Anyway. Um, tar. T A with an accent R. Uh it's what, kind of hard to describe. Like if you were to give a short synopsis of this movie, it's not so cut and dry no it's a, it's it's a complicated tale of a individual person the 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 google quick synopsis says renowned musician she's not really a musician lydia tar is days away from recording the symphony that will elevate her career when all the elements seem to conspire against her lydia's adopted daughter petra becomes an integral emotional support for her struggling mother. That is not... That is not accurate. That is not what the movie is mostly about. (laughs) The first sentence, yes. Petra's in that movie for like maybe a collective eight minutes. The first sentence of that summary, sure. The second sentence of that summary, definitely not. Absolutely not. Definitely not. This movie is... um, They got the part about like this impending moment of like transcendent career making whatever. Right. And she does get embroiled with controversy. She gets canceled. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Um, and you just sort of see the fallout from that. So yeah. it's, um, it, it is completely and totally centered around the performance that Kate Blanchett puts out, um, as the, as Lydia Tarr, as the, the, the name of the movie. Um, what did you think of her? Because we get a long introduction about... Oh, my God. A long introduction to how she is going to put this movie together. A, a very long sit-down, back-and-forth interview where she sort of 
they kind of give her like a resume read that like <laughs> yeah would give Aaron Sorkin the biggest boner because it just goes on for so long. Um, I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> what did you think of Kate Blanchett? <laughs> I I see why there is there is buzz and hype for her winning awards for this performance. Is it my favorite? I don't know about that. I just, I think it's, it's kind of easy. I mean, maybe, I don't know to play a, an asshole and even easier to play an asshole that like goes off the rails a bit. I think she's, there, there are intricacies in yes. her performance, yes. though, that like you do see her in several moments where she is conducting an orchestra and it looks incredibly natural. It looks really good. She's not just like flailing her arms around like she's Mickey at Fantasmic. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I it's not like I'm saying, oh, she was bad. I'm she was good. Just, yeah. I don't know about great, but she was good. I thought she, I actually thought she was pretty great because I, I really think this movie doesn't work if she doesn't work. That's a fair point. Um, and yes, she she's very particular in her uh, idiosync, idiosyncrasies and her mannerisms. Um, you know, the 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 amount of acting she does in. English, German, a little bit of Italian in there. The specificity in which she has to recite some of these uh, lines, because it's a movie where, she, again, she's a conductor of a classical orchestra, and she has many long conversations about like music theory and specific uh, composers and conductors. And there's a lot of, again, specificity to what she has to do in this movie. And I think she pulls it off incredibly. Like it's, it's all executed as, as specifically as, as you could want. I think it is absolutely fair to say that she, she must have, or must have had to learn and understand so much to be able to sell this as well as she does. Because mm-hmm. I can sit here and like, you know, if read the monologue where she's talking about the this and the that and how you have to have my hand does this with the timing and my other hand does it like whatever the whatever the hell she says. But um, it's I think it is probably very easy to come off as not very genuine if you have no idea what you're talking about mm-hmm. in, with that stuff. Yeah. So she definitely, I, I'm assuming she definitely spent a good amount of time learning and understanding how all of this works. And music theory is, is some bitch. So <laughs> certainly. And I think the thing that struck me, I think it's, it's that opening segment that we'll, we'll, you know, uh, detail a little further where she's getting, she does all that stuff. And it, you know, I, I, the way I referenced it to you was it sounds, I'm sure this is what 
normal people listening to like me have a conversation about Star Wars sounds like. <laughs> Where it's like if I say, oh, the Mandalorian Din Djarin and his new companion Grogu have to go to Mandalore and bathe in the living waters to redeem himself because he's an apostate from his group of other Mandalorians featuring the armor. And now he has to go make his friend Grief Karga on Navarro and get the ship from the Azelians. All those like specific words, right? So like all four people who have subscribed have now unsubscribed. No, but like (laughs) (laughs) the point of me doing that though, is if you're somebody that doesn't care or know, it's all going to go over your head and you're not going to care. I think that's true. Cause I was struggling. However, I bring that up because I didn't understand a word of it, <laughs> but the way she was delivering it was, I, I was, I was gripped. I was, I was there locked in like, okay, I'm again, not understanding what you're referencing here, but you are talking about it in such an authoritative and direct and clear way. Where I can just kind of sit there and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, fascinating, yeah. Or just like, or at least very, very much focus on her intensity in those moments. And I think she does a great job of playing somebody that is in control of every inch of her life. Oh, yeah. Until it is very much not. Yeah. I do think this movie was a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably the longest of slow burns yeah it's a it's a pretty long movie well not even uh, that but just like the way they get through everything it just like it i was waiting for the moment for me to kind of get hooked and it took a it took a long time a long time um probably i want to say not like three quarters of the way through maybe two thirds through um i mean i was there but Mm -hmm. it it i was i was having a hard time with it but i'm with that i'm not trying to say that it was bad it's uh it's a little over two and a half hours and again when it's a movie that's kind of driven by a singular force of a performance it can certainly feel long yeah uh, we, we watched it in two sittings just because of circumstance. I don't know how, I don't know if that affects the way that we think of this. Cause if we had to sit there for the full two thirty, maybe that's more of a slog than, uh, than we give it credit for. What did you think of it? I, th- again, I thought it was very, uh, gripping. I like the, the performance is very intense and direct and specific. And I, I'm as somebody that's in a creative ish field of writing, I enjoy watching performances of people that are also in creative fields and, and discussing their process and how these things, I don't know anything necessarily about classical music <laughs> or orchestras, but I'm willing to sit there and understand how a person goes through their process. And so listening to her talk about, how she gets in touch with the music or how she exacts certain bits of things. And uh, I, I was very much into that. So right. it, it's, but, it like, spoke to me that as way. As a movie, did you think it was good or uh, great? I mean, it, whatever. I know th- this has been a very divisive movie in terms of people liking and disliking it. Um, I think ultimately I like it as a movie. 
but I also recognize that it is a very specific kind of movie where you kind of, you, you have to be into it. Yeah. You know, like, it, like you said, it's a slow burn, but you have to sort of be able, you have to be signed up for sitting with it because you want to see this performance through. Um, and so that, that sort of thing speaks to me, but I, I can see how I can see how it can turn people off. I genuinely easily. wonder, you know, because there is this like scene that they have dipped into of classical music people and orchestra buffs sure. and, you know, people who are into all of this stuff. And I'm not saying that in like any negative way, but I'm just I would love to talk to someone who is from or like heavily inserted in that environment. And get their thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, just scrolling down um, the Wikipedia page a little bit to the critical response. You can tell for, for an example of the kind of person that this speaks to. This is the review from the New York Times. A.O. <laughs> Scott. He's a well-known well film critic. But this is his, uh, this is just a bit of his review that they've clipped here. I'm not sure I've ever seen a movie quite like Tar. Field, Todd Field, the director, balances Apollonian restraint with Denisian frenzy. Oh. Right. The, I think those type of people <laughs> love this. Yeah. Lo, like, love but it. But I want to know, love it, love it. I want to know, like, not in a critic's own words, in their own words. You know, was the... Was the environment was that was depicted like, yeah, was it accurate? You know, I, there is a, I mean, we were talking about pretentiousness in our last episode with um, Triangle I, of yeah, Sadness. I was, I was thinking about that exactly. But, mm -hmm. I mean, if we want to talk about pretentious shit. <laughs> sure. In, in I mean, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't even remember what was happening, but I just was looking at this, watching this movie. Something had happened. I just sat there and I was like, what a bunch of dorks, which was so rude of me to like say that. <laughs> and I, you know, I do retract, but I, I don't know. Yeah. This felt like, you know, on the scale of like Oscar-y stuff, like, is this one of those that is up in the unattainable, just artsy, froofy hard to digest no yeah like yes and no <laughs> like again if you describe this movie as like well first of all just a note lydia tar is not a real person this is all fictionalized yeah um i don't even think it's like taking something lydia tar is not not a, i'm whatever well <laughs> I, I like i well right but uh, i i also don't i don't think this was based on anything in in reality i think this is all kind of made up um again if you if you describe this movie to somebody as like it's a uh essentially a biopic of a music conductor uh you know that that doesn't necessarily reach out to certain sects of people for sure that yeah but i just i do think it's an interesting portrait of a person that tries to have this exacting control on every aspect of their life and then what happens when things that are completely out of their control, how do they react to those yeah. things? How, when, when it all comes crashing down against a, them and they can't hold up the walls. 
it's a very interesting how the mighty fall kind of journey. Sure. sure. Um, I like I said, I think it we it's a slow burn. I it almost reminds me. It's not like a one to one comparison, but it reminds me of how I felt when I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where I'm like, this is two hours of just like BS and feet. I'm ready for I'm I'm ready to be done. And then the last 30 minutes of that movie, it's like, pow, you know, things are like and and it completely changed my whole thought about it. And I was interested and 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 walked away from that movie saying, yeah, that was great. Sure. With this one, it's it wasn't exactly the same, but there was those those two hours where like, all right, let like we have to get to some level of. Yeah. attainability here because i am struggling to figure out why i should care about these people who just act and think that they're better than me and what you know and then towards the end when they do really dive into the cancellation of it all i'm like oh okay i can kind of figure this out yeah i don't think it takes the full two hours to get there but no the, no no it's it's a slow like like uh, you said slow burn i think it's a slow turn. Yes. Of like that stuff's all there, but like it's not one incident that flips it. Yeah, it's a slow sort of like things stacking up on top of each other, and yes, then you don't yes. even realize that it's turned against her until it's turned against her already. Um, you know. So, um, let's get to the awards that it is nominated for. Uh, first of all, at the ninety fifth Animal Academy Awards, which will come at you next Sunday, March twelfth. Uh, Tara is nominated for Best Picture. Do you feel like this is a Best Picture nominee? Yeah. 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 I think I think it has all the makings. And yeah. like, if it was a biopic, like an actual real biopic, it would of course be in there. Yes. Um, I think it, I think it does a very good job of creating. It's of weaving its story and being very, I've used this word a bunch now, but exacting in what it's trying to portray. So I think it does a very good job and all that. And, and of course the performance is great and it's, it's also nominated for cinematography. And um, I think it does a very good job, not necessarily giving these wide, beautiful vistas, but like of framing things. Yeah. That's just as important as anything else in cinematography. Um, Best director for Todd Field. Sure. Yes. Again, a very exact performance that gets pulled out by uh, by the director. Best original screenplay. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Best actress for Kate Blanchett. I think that's. Yeah. I mean, name recognition alone, she's gonna get talked about no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, best cinematography. Now, again, like I said, it's not your traditional like, wow, look how beautiful that is. But I think it is shot extremely well and precisely. Yeah, I. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, and then best editing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. Too. All right. Um, anything else in the non-spoiler portion of our program today? I um I feel like this is going to be one where we kind of dump on it, but I 
did enjoy it more than I'm letting on. <laughs> sure. Again, I, I really liked it. Um, but I think it is for a specific type of viewer. You have to be into just watching a great performance. Um, and I think Kate, Kate Blanchett does that in this movie uh, rather uh, extraordinarily. All right. On the other side of the break. Spoiler. Plot. Twists? Turns? No. Drama? Spoilers. Time is the thing. Time is, is the essential piece of uh, interpretation. You cannot start without me. Okay. Spoiler plot discussion for Best Picture nominee, Tar. Uh, like we said, it, it, it opens, uh, with quite a long sequence of her, uh, some interviewer from the New Yorker, um, listing off all of her achievements. And then she's an EGOT winner. She is a very prestigious EGOT winner. How this person, what, what would she have done for TV and film? Do you think? that's the thing that i had trouble like grabbing my head around at least at first she probably got an emmy for like an hbo well like a special yeah maybe she actually composed the white lotus theme (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) um and then it's an equally long conversation with her uh about yes also now that's just an excellent question what in the world would she have composed that would get her a tony spongebob the musical well no i'm sure it's one of those things where orchestra on broadway i mean there's a lot of technicalities that get some of these that's fair people like when it comes to grammys right like oh sure didn't uh, viola davis just win for an audiobook yeah, I think so. Did, yeah. Like Barack Obama. Right. So like, oh, yeah, Viola Davis is an EGOT winner. It's like, oh, what what music did she record? Uh, audiobook. Okay. She okay, dropped that's... the sickest beat. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and basically, the, the, the whole interview is trying to set up her end goal for this movie, where she's uh, doing an upcoming live recording of Mahler's Fifth Symphony, and she's releasing a book, Tar on Tar. Uh, they just like like we mentioned. They discuss her conducting technique, her views on music, how she pulls things out, and I found the the whole thing to be quite uh interesting. The whole opening bit. It was intense. It really establishes the. I don't want to say like tone because it's not. But it really is a a great intro into what you're getting yourself into from scene to scene. That scene goes on for like 15 minutes where Mm -hmm. it's just the two of them talking. And Kate Blanchett has these intricate, difficult monologues answering these questions and sounding just like this stuffy, pretentious asshole. (laughs) But again, I think effectively, it's those very long shots that kind of hold on her and the way she just. Em- embodies the the environment the scene like sits there and takes hold of the room uh again it's it was very gripping despite not understanding much of it in terms of like 
what they're specifically talking about. It was very much a thing of she has command of this room. She has yeah, command she of this frame shit. on the screen right now. And I'm 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 into it. I'm there. Uh, she eventually goes after this. She goes to lunch with uh, a interestingly to paid Mark Strong. <laughs> uh, who plays Elliot Kaplan, an investment banker and amateur conductor who co-founded a, a, a foundation with Tar to help support a, a female conductors, trying to place them in orchestras around the world. I... Amateur conductor. Yeah. Okay. That, that's yeah. what it lists it here on. on... Yeah. 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 Well, I, I see you yeah. having a little question here and put a pin in that. No, I, it's not so much a question as more of like a, like two pieces of fabric that have been stitched together. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay. Um, I, you know, I, we, they sort of set up again, a couple other things. They mentioned this foundation, which will come back to be a thing later. They discuss, uh, replacing her assistant conductor in Berlin and also filling a vacant cello spot for this Berlin orchestra in which Tar is the, the maestro of. She then goes to Juilliard for a class. And oh I think my God. this is like the first time where she, the cracks show on who this person is. Yeah. What did you make of her discussion with the, uh, the very woke quote-unquote Juilliard student. has a discussion with these students. I guess she was, like, guest lecturing or guest tutorialing or something for this one class of of aspiring conductors. uh, conductors. And, again, doing her know-it-all pretentious thing of, like, of how her word is God. And she kind of gets into it with this, this one... Um, student who is a person of color, gender fluid. I think I, he I said. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and they kind of get into it over the um composer Bach mm-hmm. and how this guy doesn't really like to study or follow or engage or perform with Bach pieces because he was a piece of shit human. And mm-hmm. she kind of goes on this insanely long diatribe of how basically how you need to separate the art from the artist. Very relevant in today's no shit. times, especially <laughs> It was here. done with absolutely like no delicate nature at all. Like mm-hmm. she didn't like straight up say, you know, oh, you're so woke, you're wrong. But it was just like a very asshole way about it. And to which the kid says you're a bitch and leaves class. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So the the whole thing was like incredibly awkward. This was a thing where Lydia guitar has no time for your feelings. Yeah. Sort of thing. She basically was like, if you want to be a conductor, you have to, it doesn't matter what, who the person was you're engaging with the music and what you feel about the music and this, you know, and this guy, a very modern young person was just like, that's not how we do this anymore. And I don't have to deal with your shit. So I'm leaving. And, and listen, I get her side of it. 
I mean, if we you are Harry are, Potter fans, if we you, get it. No, if you are a <laughs> like even just like an amateur conductor, and you say to somebody, "Oh yeah, I've never done Bach because of whatever," how, like it just just seems like like kind of a what sort right. of thing. So, but so I I get what she's saying. I'm not saying she's right. I would I would leave the room too if I was in that position. Well, because not it, it's. It wasn't just that she like dismissed him for that. She really like oh, dressed yeah. him down. Uh, yeah. You know, like, oh, if you're going to do this, what about his thought that you're a, a Jew and a neat, like all these went into like this almost Nazi-esque diatribe of yeah, just things to tear it somebody was, down. It, it was, was icky. It was nasty. It, w- it was nasty, but it's also, as you said, you can sort of understand if, if you remove yourself from it, you understand what she's saying, but is she saying it in the most politically correct or best way to say that? Yeah, absolutely not. And, 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 and she yeah. does not give a shit. No. Uh, so she leaves there uh, before going back home to Berlin. She receives a delivery of a book that has some shapes scribbled out on it. It's from uh, a, a recurring background character here uh krista taylor who is a former accordion fellow you know one of these the, female conductors that was supposed to be placed by lydia tar the accordion fellow being uh like a foundation or something that like promotes right. female conductors and provides them with like scholarship type shit like that yeah and so lydia kind of reacts harshly to this rips out the page and and on they go. Uh, through this, you also meet Lydia Tarr's assistant, uh, Francesca, who is attending to her every single need. She scared the shit out of me. She, she, she was, was like haunting. Yeah. I, she reminds me. So something that, again, she, um, Tarr referenced in the Juilliard bit, which also becomes a re- recurring thing, was basically calling the student a robot. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're you haven't made up any of these feelings that you're having. You haven't engaged with the music to have these sorts of emotions. You are a robot dictated by social media. You can't possibly do Bach because you would get, you know, raked over the coals on social media by your various followers for his misogyny or whatever. And you like, you are succumbing to other things. So you are being bland. You are going down a strict road by not, Feeling your own emotions, but by doing things influenced by other people. Again, showing that Lydia Tarr doesn't give a shit. She's going to do what she does because that's her thing. Yeah. it was. Uh, yeah. I didn't like it. Um, but Francesca is uh, sort of a robot herself where she sort of is just doing everything and anything Lydia Tarr wants. She's actually a phenomenal assistant. Fact. Like she is on top. Like every time Tarr asks for something, she already has it ready to go. She's engaged with, she's made the phone calls. She's put it on the calendar. Her whole, like, again, Tarr is a very exacting specific person. And this is somebody that is keeping all of that together by answering her texts and getting her packages. Yep. And yep. Her matcha tea or whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, I I assume, and I think they do kind of allude to this later, that this is sort of like 
an apprenticeship almost. She's a, she's a fellow. Yeah. Or, or was and it, so either like, is a fellow or was a former fellow. So like being in this assistant role, it's not just a personal assistant that is catering to their every whim just as their job. It's with this guarantee that there will be other opportunities ahead. And because this is a recurring theme with some other characters, did you feel the sexual tension that I oh, yeah. saw there too? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So Tar Tar is a lesbian and she has, again, she's working with this fellowship for other female composers and she has a female assistant. She has a, she's also married to her first chair in the orchestra in Berlin. Correct. Uh, so that takes us to Berlin uh, where we get a, a, some very interesting uh recitals and and things of of that nature um i think the we open with the blind cello audition for yes. they, they have a spot open in the concellos or the cello section of the concerto um and this opened my eyes to to a way that the classical music world works when they say blind audition they're literally just on stage behind a partition and i was like oh mm-hmm. that's interesting i that makes sense it is. You just want to hear the music. It doesn't matter what, who they are or what they look like. Yeah. At, well, but that's the issue that we run into with this is because there's a scene where Lydia is in the bathroom, like washing her hands. It's a it's a thing that you see throughout the entire movie where she's always washing her hands. She's Sanitizing, always just like yeah. obsessively clean, um, which I get if you're that like controlly, you know, and so she's. In the bathroom washing your hands, she sees these shoes under the stall, right? Yes. And then they cut to the auditions, and right. she sees those same shoes leave, and then it cuts back to her, and she erases her, whatever she wrote down, she erases it, and then now there's this new woman. Mm-hmm. Young woman. Young woman as part of the orchestra. Yes, this young woman, Olga. Uh she gets her spot in the concerto. She is uh, getting... I thought that was actually very clever. She schedules a lunch with Lydia, and Lydia sort of becomes immediately enamored with her, even though she... I, this, is the first, this is the first instance of... Well, I guess maybe the second instance, because you have the, the student in Juilliard, but he, he's not like directly involved with her yet. Uh, but when they're at lunch, Lydia feels like she's a person that can influence people to order what they want or like dictate the conversation. Mm-hmm. And Olga really doesn't care. Like she's excited to be there, but she orders whatever she wants. She yeah. disregards whatever her suggestion was. Um, doesn't really answer her questions directly. Kind of like looks away all the time. Doesn't complete. Basically, her, her attention is not completely focused on Lydia. And, it's not not there. Right. But it's not, she's not as like, as enamored with everything as maybe what Francesca might have been. Right. Or, yes, or, or many of these other people that I'm, that yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, Krista or Sharon her, her or. Um, so this goes on for a while. And because Tara is now invested, she starts this relationship or wants to have a relationship where she's seeing this person all the time um, or the Olga all the time, straining her relationship with her wife, who again is the first chair in this concerto. So she sees 
her she Sharon, the wife, sees Lydia looking at the, the cellist, like staring yeah. at her and making faces and you know, touching and ha ha ha. And it's, you know, it's clear that she knows that this is something that Tar does. Yeah. Well, this is this is also part of the accompanying piece that they're going to be recording with this Mambo number five. (laughs) They at the lunch, Olga talks about one performance that she did. What made you fall in love with music? She had a solo in and whatever. And so. Tar looks it up on YouTube and mm-hmm. then decides the inco- the accompanying piece is going to be whatever that thing was. And instead of having the first chair cellist do it, she's like, uh, you're going to be too busy with Mambo number five. Why don't we just hold auditions? And everyone's like, what? For Again, for a woman that Olga isn't actually an inducted member of this uh, orchestra yet. Yes. She's still applying essentially yes but it on probation it it get i guess it gets a little fast tracked Mm because they do have the blind auditions she obviously wins it Mm -hmm. and that's what leads to the solo one-on-one time the additional attention everything else um we get back to what francesca's dealing with and we get some we've been seeing these interactions with krista uh, these emails that have been sent yes. back and forth. Also some very like no context conversations of like, well, she was fine until she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we learn that Krista has killed herself, committed suicide. And this makes Francesca distraught because she had a relationship. Not, you know, clearly she knew her. Uh, and so instead of, truly consoling Francesca or trying to deal with this as a human would. She's a robot and turning <laughs> off her emotions yep. and just sort of like, Hey, delete all the emails, delete any correspondence we have with Krista. Um, and eventually, you know, Lydia sort of manipulates Francesca into leaving her laptop behind. Um, so that, she can look up her emails and see that she hasn't deleted any of the Christie emails. Um, and eventually, uh, Tar is, it, it breaks later that she's being basically accused of pushing this girl to suicide, that she has turned like these intimate relationships with these young female groomed. apprentices, groomed them for sexual favors to give them. Opportunity promises, yeah. So I don't know if it's a thing where Krista did do all, everything she asked and wasn't placed, or didn't do all the things that Lydia wanted and therefore wasn't placed. But either way, it ruined her life to the point where she committed suicide. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll get back to that in a second because that sort of spurs on the the rest of uh, things here. Can I just bring yeah. up one point though? We're significantly along in this between our discussion we're we're in a decent dent into this movie not one mention of petra (laughs) (laughs) yeah who's petra petra is uh the daughter of sharon and uh lydia who is like a d plot at best she's in it 
uh, you know, there's a thing where, uh, you know, don't do this in front of the children. Uh, you know, oh, she takes her to school. I think the, the most important Petra's thing she does. being bullied the and then Lydia thing. calls out the bully. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's right when she gets back to Berlin. Like yeah. the next day she takes her to school because she missed her. Mm -hmm. And she learned that, oh, they have bruises on her shins. So, she, oh, who's your bully? And then Lydia goes up to the bully. And it's just like, I will kill you. <laughs> She also yeah, you, says, God watches us all. And you better not tell a grown-up because they won't believe you because I'm a grown-up. If you touch my daughter again, I will kill you. It's like, oh my God. I've been a parent for zero days and I, I'm I'm mixed on how that response rates. I don't think threatening children is the way to go, but you know. It's effective though. It worked. Yes. It, Petra does not get uh uh bullied for the rest of the movie um maybe she's bullied by her grandmother i think that is i don't know i don't know um anyway uh this uh revelation about krista also plays into lydia replacing uh sebastian this older german guy That's as the, the assistant conductor assistant conductor replacement plot line uh and he breaks in this conversation is and basically accuses Lydia of, you know, uh, applying exchanges of sexual favors to get a, a person placed in that position that he yeah. wouldn't do because he was already do, doing such with the previous uh, conductor who was Lydia's mentor. And sorry, Sebastian, you overstepped the line and you're you're out of there. But it's again chipping into lydia her her control yeah it's not it's it's a it's chipping into her control and also just probably this confirmation that she doesn't want that like yeah she does this but she thought she was being so like covert about it but she's obviously not and people are aware and now feeling comfortable enough to address it with her so while all these things are going bad for her she starts to get cracks in her own facade she goes out for a run in the park and there's a screaming woman somewhere in the distance that she just can't find the sound. And then she runs away. She gets these hallucinogenic nightmares that were dropped into for like five seconds at a time. Yeah. And then never addressed and never brought back to, and they're never the same twice. Um, she's getting this chronic pain. She's taking Sharon's medication, uh, you know, when basically stealing it from her wife, um, Increasing sensitivity to various sounds, whether they're car alarms or phone chimes or the uh, medical device of a woman next door in her apartment building. Um, and as well as noticing these scribbles that Krista left in the book, she's seeing them on metronomes and on roofs and things like that. Yeah. What did you make of all of that? The sort of slow descent into madness on her end where because if again it's one of those things where it's kind of weird yeah and it has nothing to do with anything else really it, until the end but. it really did feel disconnected and probably not my favorite portrayal of that because it's never explicitly explained like what the swirls in the book are or the metronome oh, we never or, get back to that never like, once the whole thing with the neighbor was just like irritating and like, I, I get what it is in the end of how it was this 
this um, descent into just falling apart. But in the moment, I was just I had a hard time with it. And I, I don't think that is that's my favorite uh, execution of of that. Yeah, I the scribbles. They looked like a maze to me. And so I thought, oh, there's some sort yeah, going to be some like, sort of connection to that oh, at some point. It was, in the, it was on the metronome, but it was also uh, in Petra's uh, Play-Doh yes. in her room. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how the hell would that happen? Yeah. I. It, it, was, it was bizarre. So I don't a, know if that was like a hallucination or what. It yeah, was odd. Very weird. And that's the other, only other time that Petra's like involved where it's like, did you go into my study? Yeah. Did you touch my things? And it's, mm, no. Um, so all of this is sort of this slow building descent towards the, the big break of, of Lydia, which is tying all the way back to that Juilliard class. Someone (laughs) was recording in class and it was a no tech zone. They shouldn't have had phones in the first place. Um, and that video has been edited to make everything Lydia said out of context and even more horrible than it already was. Yes. Like it's with the context, not good out of context. Extremely bad. Yeah. You're on a fast track to cancel town, bro. Um, what did you make of that? Cause that's sort of the tie to the modern times of a out of context clip edited for Twitter. It was weird. Cause down. I have, I being a member of Twitter and seeing, Plenty of people get canceled via Twitter and other social media platforms via incriminating video. It was interesting to kind of see that side of it. Um, <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to like explain my thought here and not say like, oh, I get, I get, I sympathize with her. She's right. You know, <laughs> she's right. It is taken out of context. Like again, it's awful. Maybe like, but it is taken the, out of context. The one time, I guess, because more often than not, these people are like, Oh, all of these accusations are false, but yeah, I'll take the plea deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, so this video was released alongside a New York post, uh, article detailing uh Krista's suicide and linking Tar's behavior to her suicide. She's also I think it's at this point they're like back in New York or something. This is yeah, so they have a meeting in the Berlin right. boardroom and then they go to New York. But so back in New York, she has brought Olga with her. Yes. In hopes of, you know, whatever. Yeah. And they go to the deposition, they go to uh, the book release. But, you know, so they get back to the hotel and she basically tries to like set up, not literally, but like get, they want, she wants hey, to go get to dinner, dinner together. And you got plans Olga's today? like, no, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. And then, oh, later, yeah, me too. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Catch you in the morning. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. She literally is like, oh, yeah, me too. I'm like, what? Oh, oh you want to go out? Oh, you don't want to go. Yeah, me neither. That's um, not my style. But then later on, <laughs> She does see Olga like dressed up and walk into the elevator mm-hmm. and go downstairs. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's losing control. It's um, losing cra- relevance. Cracks into madness and being rejected. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's a it's a bad. She recipe. had control over her career, her love life, her entire. Anybody life. who would interact with her, she had control over, and it's just not happening for her. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's not showing up. At some point here, I, I, it's not listed in this recap, but at some point, uh, Francesca has quit. And so, again, adding on to this. I think it was around the deposition. Uh, so while all this is coming down around her, now she doesn't, now she doesn't have her support structure anymore. She No, it was when um, she's replacing Sebastian, yes. her assistant um, conductor, and tells Francesca that it's not going to be her. Right. And that's what drives Francesca to be like, peace out. I'm done. I've done everything for you and I'm quitting. Yeah. Um, And (laughs) so now first Lydia goes to Francesca's apartment upon learning this and finds all the things that Krista had sent over time. And at one point you see Tar kind of doing like an anagram of Krista and making it spell at risk. (laughs) That's Um, right. And then you see the manuscript for Tar on Tar, which either Krista or Francesca has Francesca. put the lines to say rat on rat, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of funny. Clever. Um, but yeah, now uh, Lydia has to answer her own phone um, and uh, do her own schedule. So everything is just suddenly uh, falling apart. You know, she, yeah. her structure is gone. She's stressed at wit's end while dealing with a deposition and a book deal and losing relationships and being canceled. It's this whole avalanche of shit coming down on her all at one time. And uh, she takes it out on several people. Yeah, um, she eventually gets replaced there. I wish there was a moment that where they showed that she is no longer going to be conducting the live recording of Mambo number no. five. Okay. Well, yeah, go go through with it. I, and I, do I, I was legitimately confused by that. And I almost wish that they did that. There was a moment where they're like, you're you're you're, you're toxic this. right now. Mm-hmm. You are not doing this. So I think this is the split in the movie for this part of the discussion. There was ideas put forward and it I think the director and writer have sort of said no that's not it at all but there was a lot of discussion put forward that is the ending of this movie a dream is it one of those hallucinogenic (laughs) dreams because and you know i i remember that i'm like uh i don't think the only reason i give that credence is because who has replaced her as conductor of the berlin symphony orchestra mark strong yeah the investor and amateur conductor there is no way in hell Mm-mm. that this marquee event would be conducted by him. Yeah. So part of me thinks I almost buy into this. It was a dream idea. Now, I think it kind of like it takes out the punch of the ending, but I think it's a thing of. Why else would he be there? Like he wouldn't rationally be the conductor of this thing and so she's been replaced he's the conductor she comes out on this dramatic beat at the beginning of the performance and tackles him she in the literally assaults stand. him again do you so i turn this to you do you think that's a dream or not or do you think this is just the final nail in the coffin of her madness that she has completely broken to attacking a man on stage doing her performance 
when you mentioned it was considered to be a dream 38 seconds ago, I was like, no way. Yeah. No, I, I buy that it's real, but sitting with it, I'm like, oh, it's plausible. But it's a plausible, I think, sure. I think I'm going to subscribe to. No, she she lost her job. She lost her mind. Yes. The, yeah. And that's a real thing that happens to people. So and when you have nothing to lose, you'll do anything, you know? Yeah, I agree with that, especially if the director and the writer come out and say, like, that wasn't our intent. Meh, anyone can say anything like, well, and it's the like we talked about this a bit with Triangle of Sadness of, oh, it's open ended. What, what did you think happened? No, make an ending. Finish it, yeah. And if this was the the actual intent of the authors and the creators of this thing to that she broke and attacked this man on stage, I wish they would have just like I, I guess if they had just put anybody up there, they probably should have put Sebastian. <laughs> That's what they should have done. They should have made Sebastian the the conductor. Why would you pick but this guy that isn't a conductor? Tackle him. Yeah. He would die. <laughs> well, Maybe, but I don't know. It's uh anyway, she so she she gets uh she makes that attack. Uh Lydia now is trying to put the pieces back together here. Yeah, she, she's got like a her crisis PR team trying to salvage the wreckage. She's uh decreasing more and more depressed and deranged. She tries to pick up her kid from school. Sharon says no, definitely not. Um, one of the, we, we missed one of this earlier, but one of the hallucinations that she has is she follows Olga. She, she dropped off Olga to where she'd been dropping her off after lessons. And she tries to return like a teddy bear to her. And it turns out that she's been dropping off. At least the hallucination is she's been dropping off Olga at this abandoned building where nobody actually lives. And then there was like an animal chasing her. And then she tripped and fell and hit her face. Again, just making now a physical manifestation of how she's breaking on the inside. Um, one of my, I think my favorite thing of her deranged episode here is we mentioned that uh, there was a medical device going on in her neighbor's apartment. It was the mother of this person and she died and so she moved. And anyway, this woman got evicted from her apartment and the family is now trying to sell the apartment. And so they come by when she's like practicing her music, like normal classical music. And they're like, hey, do you have like a set rehearsal schedule so that we can schedule our showings around it? Because we don't want to scare people away from the music. So then Tar decides (laughs) she's going to grab an accordion and play. Oh, you're selling the apartment with a dead woman in it. (laughs) And I'm the crazy person next door sort of thing. (laughs) That was funny. Yeah. Pretty wild, but fun. From there, she goes after her little, you know, uh, meltdown on stage tackling mm-hmm. Mark Strong. She kind of, I guess, gets exiled to like her home yeah. base, which is Staten Island, New York. Staten Island. And we learn there that, you know, she, I guess, 
connects with her roots of why she, she was fell a in love with music and all this stuff. We also find out that her real name is Linda. Linda. Linda Tar T A R R. Yes. So she has fancied herself up to fit in with this world. Yeah. Again, another example of her trying to have control over how she's perceived and what she does. Um, there's all these medals. Medals and trophies and she puts a medal over her neck, pulls a VHS off the shelf of some composer like youth orchestra or something yeah yeah again showing what she uh fell in love with the music for her brother shows up and is basically just like hey whatever you're stupid uh, nice <laughs> but just like uh, yeah oh hey linda what's up you don't know who you are anymore yeah so and then this is we get sort of a, a quick cut uh, and Lydia is now off in the Philippines. She's mm-hmm. fallen so far from her path that she's now in the Philippines. She is looking for a massage and goes to a brothel and, and where she gets to have her pick of the women that she wants. That was so gross. Yep. Again, I'd throw up too. Yep. Um, she is conducting a new orchestra in the Philippines. And and this this also got a little controversy based on the thing that I saw on the uh, on the internet. What is the lowest of the low that this grand maestro <laughs> has been reduced to? I mean, I know what it is. She's conducting the score for the video game series Monster Hunter in full of an audience of cosplayers all dressed up as Monster Hunter, At, like a Comic Con in the Philippines. Yes. So like everyone I'm sure has seen, I mean, at least around here, we have these happen at the Hollywood Bowl all the time where yeah. they redo music score. They play the movie and they play the score live along with the movie. It's kind of kind of a fun thing. But apparently in the classical music world, that's as low as you can go because you're not connecting with the music. And something I didn't notice at the time. <laughs> yeah. Something I didn't notice at the time, but it was explained to me through a video. Before she starts, she mm-hmm. puts on headphones. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the headphones are for? No. There's an internal metronome. Oh, okay. So she is no longer in control of the time. Wow. The time is in control of her. She is not setting the pace of the music. She doesn't get to dictate it's when It's not even starts. her, like, interpretation of the score. It's just, like, the exact replica. She is a robot. She's a robot. Playing no, you're absolutely right. the music. It's kind of funny, though, because they show rehearsal for that. <laughs> yes. That, um, what do you I don't know, with event. And, yeah, yeah. she's like, what do we think the intent of this P and it's like, who, no one gives a shit it's, lady. It's monster hunter <laughs> lady. Like I just want to get my hit points up so I can take down that beast. Oh man. You and know, then it ends. And then it, then it just sort of ends while it's like panning over the cosplayers it just ends kind of a anticlimactic finish. But I think the more I've sat with it, the more I see like where else would it have gone from there? I guess. Yeah. I I don't know. Again, th- but this this all plays into the is it a dream? I'm I'm still subscribing to that it's it's real. Yeah. No, I agree too because I think I think the only thing that's out of place is the conductor when she attacks him. Otherwise, yeah, like we're we're simple folk. We like the the soundtracks played to the movie sort of thing, but I can see where for this grand maestro of the Berlin Symphony Orchestra that having this having your life taken away from you essentially 
equates to you conducting a video game concert in the Philippines. Yep. Again, but in in the the thing with the headphones was what stood out to me is like, oh, okay, she isn't in control of this anymore. I think that's a brilliant kind of cap that they don't really. I, I, that's something that I wish they would have made a little a more explicit. I think it's a very if you know you know thing. Yes, I wish they would have made that more explicit in the movie, but that's a, a poetic way of ending it because we started with her having the discussion of what I said at the beginning. You can't start before I begin, or you can't begin before I start. Yeah, um, I did enjoy. There are several um, several scenes where she is rehearsing with the Berlin Orchestra for Mamba Number no. 5 and it it's those are some of the bits that I enjoyed the most yes. was seeing her actually work like there's a part where she literally makes is it like a trumpet player or something she's like yeah. I'm not liking how this sounds I'm going to have you actually do this off stage behind a wall so that it it has the effect that I want it to like what and like it worked but yeah no and when when I mentioned like Somebody going through their process and extracting yeah. this uh, creative art out of something. I love watching stuff like that, whether it's this or something like Whiplash, where it's just I, I enjoy that process so yeah. much just to see how you can take something that's in this case, very literal, like notes on a page could just be played like a robot could be mm-hmm. played pretty straightforward, but you are connecting with it and making it you're you're interpreting it and translating it for your own body of work i think that's phenomenal and i love those scenes i love those anything where she's in complete control again was very gripping and then watching that control slowly get whittled away it's kind of fascinating i agree i think having gone through all this now i definitely do have a better appreciation for the movie overall i think it's actually clever and layered and yeah yeah Very, again layered. i i stick with the sl- the slow burn like if you go into this like completely blind it's gonna the pace is gonna feel like it takes forever but um the payoff is good and and even maybe even not just the payoff but like once you get all of the pieces on the table and then you kind of smush it all into what the puzzle is supposed to be that is that payoff is really significant yeah i I think this was phenomenal the layers i think is exactly what makes this because i think if you're somebody that comes in and you just see it for what it is maybe you don't like it so much and that's why there are people like (laughs) like uh, with uh i don't know classical music (laughs) well yes well i guess that's another point to to pull out here I think we, I think you might have pointed it out while we were watching it. When she goes to New York for this book reading, there is a protest that forms because this yeah. is after the the Krista reveal the, of her death and the the video and all that. How do you feel about this examination of cancel culture through the eyes of a very niche, yeah, very stuffy? portion of society it's in terms of the classical music community i mean because it, it's not like it's a pop star it's yeah it's nobody like mainstream is. Yeah. but i mean i appreciate the the story of it. it kind of alludes to this idea that like nobody's safe 
especially now. I mean, yeah, there's everybody has their own corner of the internet nowadays. Yeah, and <clears throat> everyone's also got a camera. No, like nobody is safe. Doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing. Yeah. I like. I'm trying to think of what the equivalent would be if, like, Andrea Bocelli or Yo Yo Ma got canceled. Like it was like, oh, Yo Yo Ma. He yeah, actually it's groomed. not affecting our day to day, but right. someone somewhere is like distraught. Like, yeah, right, right, exactly. It's not like uh, if Taylor Swift got canceled for yeah. something. You know, it's Lydia Tarr. Oh, the conductor of the Berlin Symphony Orchestra. My oh, God. My God. <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of interesting. That again, to show that there were young people with this amount of fervor to protest. I mean, I guess you get a story of a, a young woman groomed by a superior and commits suicide that yeah but does it gonna make have the traction? post well <laughs> right and lydia tar even says that that's a tabloid rag you know it, it's not anything reputable um but that's what the people see so yeah I, I i think it was interesting in terms of like trying to portray classical music as something people other than classical music it, fans know about but it kind of reminds me of like a lot of these true crime documentaries like who gives a shit about this alex murdoch guy until he found out that he sure. murdered all of these people and ruined the lives of all these people yeah like we have again doesn't affect my day-to-day -day. he's he's often gone but yeah there are people somewhere someone somewhere it affects a great deal indeed that was tar You want to dance the mask, you must service the composer. You got to sublimate yourself, your ego, and yes, your identity. You must, in fact, stand in front of the public and God and obliterate yourself. That was our spoiler discussion for Tar. Let's get to our best picture rankings. Now, we have seen uh, eight. Eight of the nominees. We we're only missing two. We, we are still yet to see the Fablemans and Women Talking, and we will get those out in the early portion of this week. Remember when we were going to go see the Fablemans in, like, November? Yes. It is now March. <laughs> We've been teasing the Fablemans for months on this podcast, but we will see it. I want to see Steven Spielberg's latest masterpiece. I, I'm, I'm ready for it. So for recap, we have seen All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, and Triangle of Sadness. Alexandra, upon seeing Tar, is there any big shakeups in your best picture rankings? I don't know. I was going into this episode, I was comfortable in saying that Tar is probably the best of the rest. Yep. Like it's probably a solid like fourth. Um, but I I don't know. I I had everything everywhere up there. All all quiet up there banshees. and banshees up there. I think I'm putting tar up there too. Do you put it I th you you've said everything everything everywhere is your number I one. I think I'm I think I'm going everything everywhere. Banshees all quiet. Okay, then tar. I think I have flipped all quiet and banshees. I don't know. 
they're my, they're they're the ones that have risen to the top. <laughs> From the bottom to the top for me. Avatar the Way of Water. Uh Elvis. Um All Quiet on the Western Front. Top Gun. Tar. Everything everywhere. Banshees. And where's Triangle of Sadness? Oh, Triangle of Sadness. I skipped that. Sorry. Uh, Avatar. (laughs) Sorry, I got to do it again. Avatar, (laughs) Elvis, Triangle of Sadness. Really? You hated Elvis that much? Yeah. Yeah. No, yes. Triangle of Sadness, then um, uh, All Quiet, then Top Gun, then Tar. Everything Everywhere Banshees. Although you're you're you were surprised when I put Banshees number one. Again, we're a couple days away from it now. I'm sort of sifting into. So my only are those your personal rankings or are these it's like a, it's a mix. It's a mix. It's a, it's a combination <laughs> yeah, of of course personal of personal uh on the page I guess and then how I feel they stack up as potential winners based on how these things get awarded um now somebody did note that when you have the most nominated movie like everything everywhere is this year and it's sweeping sort of all the awards leading up to the oscars it doesn't necessarily match up on oscar night that's true it's that thing of well someone is just assuming that it'll win so they'll vote for something else and then mm-hmm. it doesn't win mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that i as i as we mentioned on the banshees episode i think that is something that i'm hanging on to as why banshees might be the winner is because if it's everyone's second favorite yeah it'll it's gonna be coda all over right that's sort of a that sort of idea um and i guess the people said that the last time they saw a movie that had 11 nominations like uh everything everywhere does it has won everything was return of the king uh the end of the lord of the rings trilogy which that was the lord of the rings movie that did win and it was a genre movie it's a fantasy so maybe that spells good things for everything everywhere Hmm. um let's i'm still just flashing back to being stuck in the theater Mm. for that one so falling asleep uh sort of like we did for banshees (laughs) Falling asleep and Return of the King. Well, because we don't have time for this. Um, <laughs> uh, sort of like we did for Banshees. Let's look at Best Actress. Now, we, we are still going to see one of the Best Actress nominees, uh, Michelle Williams in The Fablemans. But from most people's accounts, that was the one that people would have taken out. Either her. Really? Yeah, well, I think people were surprised when she got nominated. There's also the surprise of Andrea Riseborough, oh, right. and there was the surprise of Anna Darmus. The only two constants. Oh my god! I so one Go moment. Ahead. Yeah, I have listened to our All Quiet episode, and we were talking about how this was uh, All Quiet was Netflix's only <laughs> movie in the nominees, <laughs> and we literally forgot that Blonde Blonde is in there. Thanks to Darmus. What a joke oh Um, god so but from most people's accounts this is a two horse race yes between michelle yo and everything everywhere all at once and kate blanchett in tar 
having seen Tar now, seeing again, this is a movie that is wholly carried by her performance. Now, I would also say, I think we said it on the Everything Everywhere podcast, that that movie doesn't work if Michelle Yeoh doesn't work. Mm-hmm. How do you match up the two in that race? Well, Everything Everywhere had the advantage of red carpet footage to use. <laughs> yes. For that Real uh, red parallel footage. universe. Yes. Um, I... Uh, I don't know. I think I think I'm going to give this one to Michelle Yeoh. I think hmm. what she has to do, I mean Now, there's there's some Who else do you get to play that role? Right. Well, the the thing that is also kind of playing into this is there's a storyline play here. Kate Blanchett has won already. Mm. Uh, she. I I wanted to look up what she had previously won for. Um, she actually has two Academy Awards. Um, for for various things. Um. So this is an opportunity where Michelle Yeoh has never won. She's been looked over many a time for other things. Is this a legacy? Let's give it to her, or do you do it completely based on merit? Which some people on merit would pick Kate Blanchett over. Michelle Yeoh's performance. Oh, I'm still going Michelle Yeoh. I didn't even think about that when I said it a few minutes ago. So, yeah. as much as I would love to see Michelle Yeoh win, I, I think I just think what Kate Blanchett does in Tar is so phenomenal. Like it's I, I, I I've used the word exacting several times, but it is a very specific and controlled and attention pulling performance where when she's on screen you have to pay attention to what she's doing because she's doing so many little things and enunciating and speaking in such a way that she's just she's in control of her environment and i think that that was quite impressive on kate blanchett's part and aside from her best acting abilities here quite striking in this movie mm-hmm. D- you know despite playing sort of a more uh, masculine pants wearing in a control freak uh she's still just at her age quite striking of a of a woman Mm -hmm. that you again you notice her uh, when she walks in a room there is a presence um i don't think we need to close out any of the other categories yet yeah because we still got a couple for screenplay and cinematography and all that so all we have left are the fablemans and women talking um any either one you're particularly excited for i'm excited to see the fablemans me too i think that one has that one will have a lot of um no i don't want to say like fervor behind it but we do know the academy loves movies about movies they love movies about movies steven spielberg is up for best director many he did win best director at the globes yes is this a chance to give steven one last gold statue like basically like life story before he goes on to write you know et2 or whatever indiana jones (laughs) eight yep no i mean spielberg says he'll do movies like indiana jones and all that forever but when it comes to his last chance to win an oscar i'm i'm in for that yeah me too I'm, i'm excited to see that um so yeah we'll we'll again we'll be getting those to you in the next couple days uh, we'll have a podcast for 
Fablemans. We will have a podcast and a post for both uh, for women talking. And then we will have it prepared, ready for the weekend, ready for you to absorb our Oscar predictions show. We've seen, by seeing as many of the Best Picture nominees as we've had, we've seen most of the nominees in all the other categories. Um, like I, I think I mentioned on a previous podcast, if possible, if I can sneak out for a long lunch, maybe I get some of those shorts in just for some extra knowledge. Um, even if we don't know who's going to win the shorts, we're going to take a swing. <laughs> Will it be year of dicks? I hope so. Or my year of dicks. <laughs> Will it be an ostrich told me something and I believed it? <laughs> It'll. Yep. <laughs> Oh man, what a what a moment that was. Let me pull it. I, where's the um You should just clip in the the bit <laughs> of Riz Ahmed reading all that off. Sure. That that'll be easier. <laughs> My year of dicks. <laughs> and an ostrich told me the world is fake and I think I believe it. Um, all right. So um, anything else as we, as we close out the award season, we're in the home stretch. We're in the home stretch. The and then we Sunday. get a lot of, a lot of tent poly type mm-hmm. films ahead. We'd mentioned Mario's on its way. Immediately after the, the weekend after the Oscars, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. What a way to start off our With, summer slate. You want to talk about canceled. <laughs> Shazam, Mario, uh, some other stuff. God, I'm sorry. It's like so past my bedtime. <laughs> it's okay. Um, well, again, we have so many things to see. And until we see them all, until we get ready for Oscars night. We'll see you at the movies. <laughs>